talk to you about living a life of generosity. I hope all of you got the letter uh, that we sent out last week. If you didn't, it's because we don't have you on our mailing list, and we need to. So out in the foyer, there are copies of that letter, and there are also sheets that say, we're glad you're here. They're little yellow sheets, and you can give us your contact information so in the future um, we can get things to you. There's also a list of ministry opportunities. If you read the letter, it said that included with the letter was a list of ministry opportunities, but it wasn't because somewhere in the process of getting them all together, that was left out. So... Uh, I want you to have those. Uh, it's a list of about 29 things that you could do as part of our church family. Uh, we want everybody to have the opportunity to connect more fully with the life of their church. And one part I'm excited about, at the bottom are some blank lines. If you look through those 29 things and don't see anything that represents what you want to do, but you have another idea of something that you think the church should be doing, write it in there. Several of the ministries we have now uh, came about that way uh, because somebody said, I would like to see this happened. Soul food is an example of that. The reason we have a community meal is because somebody came to me and said, I think we should have a community meal. And I said, fine, when can you start? <laughs> you do have to know that if you fill that out, that uh, we're going to ask you to be involved in it if, if you can. So um, 
I hope you'll take one of those. Uh, some of you are already <laughs> fully engaged in the life of the church. I don't expect you to take them and, and ask for anything more. Um, but if you're, if you're newer to the church and you haven't had an opportunity to get involved, then we want you to do that. Because I want us to be clear, when we talk about generosity, we're not just talking about money. I think because we're in our annual stewardship campaign, we tend to get focused around money. And money's part of it, but it's only part of it. Stu or generosity is a way of life. Generosity is an attitude. It's a state of mind in which we understand that the things I have ultimately belong to God. And if God has some way to use who I am and what I can do and what I have, then I want to make that available to him. That's the essence of generosity. It's living with an open heart and an open hand so that we can be followers of Jesus Christ. Now I want us to look specifically at 2 Corinthians 8. 2 Corinthians 8, it's on page 1801, if you're using a pew Bible, which is interesting because that's the address of the church. So isn't that, isn't that curious? The address of the church is also the address of the scripture. Now I'd love to tell you I planned that. I did not. It just happened. 2 Corinthians 8, beginning with verse 1, it says, And now, brothers... We want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. When we think of generosity in terms of money, we tend to think of people who give a lot because they have a lot. In other words, we give out of our abundance. And isn't that true of most of us? I know it's true of me. Much of my giving depends upon how much I have. We give out of our abundance. We also give out of our excess. How many of you have more stuff than you really need? Every hand better go up, every, every last one of them. <laughs> we all do, because it's our nature to do that. My human nature makes me want to acquire and accumulate. I do that naturally. I do it fairly well. <laughs> if, if you have something called a storage closet, or an attic, or a basement, quite often that's just code language for place to put excess stuff. 
Now, I was going to ask how many of you had garages you couldn't put cars in because you have too much stuff in them. But I don't want to embarrass anybody. Okay, if you, if you want to admit it, how many of you have a garage that is meant for a car and you can't get a car in it because you got too much stuff? You know, we all do it. So I wanted us to know we're all in the same boat, okay? I, I do it too. Now, I do get my cars in the garage because I'm just too lazy to scrape all the ice off in the winter, okay? But that's how we do. We give out of our abundance. We give out of our excess. But if you heard that scripture I read about the Macedonians, they did not do that. It said that they were going through a severe trial, which just means big-time trouble, Many of the Christians in those days were being persecuted. Uh, they were impoverished. They, they didn't have jobs. They didn't have ways to feed themselves or their families. They were hurting. And the Macedonians were among them. They were undergoing severe trial and extreme poverty. And yet, they were practicing rich generosity. That does not add up. It doesn't fit. So how could they do that? The answer is in verse 5. It said, They gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. They gave themselves first to the Lord. That is the key to a life of generosity. It was the key to theirs and it's the key to yours and mine. Because generosity is not natural. As I already said, our human nature is to acquire and accumulate. And if you want to test that, watch a group of toddlers playing. Here you have a three or four-year-old child sitting there playing with a toy. Another four-year-old comes up and says, I'd like to have that. I want that. And the first child says, oh, okay, sure. If you have one of those children, I want to meet them because they are truly blessed among all children. Uh, now the natural reaction, I'm playing with the toy, you come up, I, I want that. Mine. <laughs> you know, that's, that's mine. Uh, that's what we do. We acquire, we accumulate. And so generosity is not natural. And you can't do it on your own. That's why you have to give yourself first to the Lord. The Macedonians understood that. In the midst of their suffering, in the midst of their poverty, they said, we are going to entrust ourselves completely to God. Our lives are in his hands, and he will provide Jesus told an interesting story about a man, uh, a farmer, who had an abundant crop. In fact, he had such an abundance of, of grain, he had nowhere to put it. Have you ever been there, Garland? You ever had just grain everywhere and had nowhere to put it? <laughs> That's exactly what this guy does. <laughs> Garland said, well, then you build more bins. You may not like where this story goes. <laughs> so I'm just telling you. 
that uh, we kind of set ourselves up here. Um, but, but yeah, the guy, the guy had a choice. He could either give away his excess, use it for others, or he could build bigger barns and, and hold more and keep it all for himself. See, it was the attitude of his heart that disturbed the Lord more than his action. He decided he was going to keep it all. And, and in that story, the man says, look at me. I am rich. I am comfortable. I am set for life. Now, you won't find those words in the Bible. But that's my kind of interpretation of it, if you will. It's all about me, in other words. This abundant harvest that I have received is all about me. It's all for me, and it should be used for my benefit. And Jesus said, that man had closed his heart to the Lord. See, I'm convinced that within a person's heart, there's an extra valve. Now, you can't see this valve on an x-ray or a CAT scan or an MRI, but it's there. It's the God valve. And when we open our heart to the Lord and open our heart to others, then that allows his love and grace to come in. His grace comes in, his grace goes out. But when we close that valve, this man in the story had closed his God valve. So I don't care what God thinks. I don't care what anybody else needs. It's about me and mine. And when he closed it, he could no longer receive God's grace in his life. Because the valve was closed. And the Macedonians had understood what that man did not. That when we are willing to use what we have for the good of others, be it our time, our talents, our energy, our money, our stuff, whatever it is, when we are willing to live generously toward others, it opens that valve. And God is able to bless us because we are a blessing to others. They gave themselves first to the Lord. And then to us in keeping with God's will. They understand that it was God's will for them to use what they have to help others. Now Paul describes their generosity as rich generosity. So that must mean they gave a bunch, doesn't it? Rich generosity is when you give a whole lot of whatever it is you're giving. That's not what it means. They were rich in spirit. They were rich in their attitude toward God and toward others. And we, we know that because Jesus had another experience. He and the disciples were uh, sitting by the temple. Just talking. Just people watching. We got any people watchers? You like to watch people? Just sit around and watch people. People are kind of weird, aren't they? People do strange things if you just sit and watch them long enough. You see a lot of strange things. But Jesus and his disciples were people watching out by the temple. 
And, and they were especially watching. They have, they have what they call the temple uh, contribution box. They didn't have offering plates back then like we do. They just had this container outside the temple. And when the people came to the temple to worship, they would put their, their money, their offering, their gift in the, in the box. And they were watching people. And these people would come up and they'd have these big heavy bags of money and they were putting their money in the box and the disciples would look at each other and go, oh, did you see that one? I mean, there must have been 20, 30 pieces of silver in there. That's an impressive offering. And somewhere along the way, here comes this woman kind of shuffling her feet, her head's down. She's clearly burdened. Her, to- her clothes are kind of ragged. She's obviously poor. And she goes up to the box and she reaches in her little, little bag and she pulls out two little coins. Be like two pennies today. And she put them in the box. And walked on. None of the disciples noticed. They were too enamored by the big gifts to notice the small one. But Jesus all of a sudden gets excited. He gets animated. He goes, did you see that? What? That, do you see, do you see that woman? Yeah. She only put in a couple coins. What's the big deal? He said, you don't understand. Of all the people we have watched put, put their gift in a box, Hers is the one most blessed by God. Well, why? We don't understand, Lord. He said, you know all those other people with their big bags of silver and stuff they put in there? They have a whole lot more. That was not difficult for them. That was not a sacrifice for them. They gave out of their abundance and their excess. That lady... If you go up to her and look in her purse, it's empty. She gave the last two cents she had in this world. The money that she might have used to buy a little bit of bread so she could eat today. She gave it to God. And I tell you, that gift is better than all the rest. See, that's the essence of rich generosity. It has nothing to do with the size of the gift or how much time you give or how much energy you expend helping someone else. It's not about having to go big. It's simply about doing what you can with what you have. Have any of you ever given away your last dollar? I have. The pastor gave his last dollar to someone. You should be impressed by that. No, you shouldn't. I remember it was, it was a few weeks ago, somebody came in and they, they said, I I'm, I'm, was just trying to get something to eat and I needed some help, and I, I pull out my wallet, and I look in there, and I got 17 bucks. I said, well, I don't have a whole lot here. I got $17. You can have it. 
And I got to admit, I felt pretty good. You did a good thing, Roger. You gave your last dollar to somebody. But do you know what was in the back of my mind when I handed them my 17 bucks? <laughs> Close. Close. On my way to, to get lunch, I'm going to stop at the ATM and fill it back up again. You know? I didn't give them my last dollar. I just gave them the last dollar I happened to have in my pocket. I knew full well that I could give this away and go get some more. Because as my children will explain to you, uh, when they were younger, Christy and Becky thought that my ATM card was the magic plastic. <laughs> you ever heard of that? The magic plastic. Watch what daddy can do. Take this card. I wave it in the air. Stick it in the slot. Pull it out of the slot. Oh, money. Just, <laughs> you know, magic plastic. This lady didn't have no magic plastic. When she gave her two cents, that's all she had. And that's all she was going to get. And she didn't know how she was going to eat that day. But she trusted the Lord to provide. Like the Macedonians, she, she gave herself to the Lord first. And that made all the difference. Paul goes on to say that furthermore, the Macedonians urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. Now that's an amazing statement right there. They urgently pleaded. That's the image of somebody who'd fall down on a knee and say, please, 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 please. And what did they beg Paul for? To help them? Oh, let us give. Let us share in the offering. That's an amazing thing. They weren't on the list. They would have been on the list of people to get, not people to ask to give. And so when they began to take up, they were taking up a collection for, for Christians who were in places where they were being heavily persecuted, they were impoverished. And they said, we got to help our brothers and sisters over here. And, and various churches, the Corinthians among them and some of the others, they were donating money to help. Donating food to help. Donating some clothes to help. And then Paul gets word from the Macedonians, hey, what about us? He said, I know, I know you guys are hurting too. We're going to get to you next. <laughs> We're going to take up an offering for you. And they said, no, you don't understand. We're not asking you to take up an offering for us. We want to share in the one you're taking up for them. Now, why in the world would they do that? Well, the answer is back in verse 2. I don't know if you caught it or not. It's like, have you ever seen those uh, activity books for kids that have like six pictures and it'll say, find the one that doesn't match? Or find the one that's different? Yeah. Well, in this verse, Paul uses words that don't match. He said, out of their severe trial, 
their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty came their rich generosity. Now what phrase does not fit? <laughs> Severe trial, extreme poverty, overflowing joy. <laughs> ah, that doesn't fit at all. There's no way you're going to be joyful if you're suffering trials and troubles and you're extremely poor. Is there? Is that possible? Yes, it is. Because they gave themselves first to the Lord. So that just keeps coming back up. And when you give yourself to the Lord, you understand something. You understand that God loves you no matter what. That the trouble you're facing in life is not a sign that God doesn't love you anymore. That God must not care about you. God must not be paying any attention to you because of all these problems. No, they knew that was not true. They knew that God loved them no matter what. They knew that Jesus died for the forgiveness of their sins. And they knew that as Jesus said, I've gone to prepare a place for you. And if I prepared a place for you, I will come again and take you to be with me. That where I am, you will be also. And in that knowledge, there was a wellspring of joy that came up in their life. that their severe trial and their extreme poverty could not diminish. They were happy people. And out of their joy, they said, we want to give. Because giving makes us even happier. Because joy generates generosity. I want you to lock that in somewhere. Joy generates generosity. The more we have the joy of the Lord in our life, and remember, I'm not talking about what's going on out here. Out here can be chaos, but it's what's going on in here. And that joy generates generosity it did for the Macedonians and it will for us may we live each day in a spirit of generosity each morning when you awake may you ask the Lord to be with you to guide you and to use you sometimes we leave that part out don't we Lord, I want you to bless me, guide me, be with me today. Amen. But may we go that step further to say, use me. Use me, Lord. And if we go through life with our eyes open and our heart open and our hands open, God will use you. I'm going to warn you, don't pray that prayer if you don't mean it. Because God doesn't play games. If you say, use me, Lord, he's going to say, all right. And when that opportunity comes, you can't say, I was just kidding. <laughs> I really was just kidding, Lord. I don't really want to do that. 
But you will find if you live with open hearts, open hands, if you live with rich generosity, that God will give you the greatest joy you've ever had in your life. Give yourself first to the Lord and then to each other. Let's pray. God, I am so grateful that your word teaches us what generosity is all about. We live in a culture that's all about acquiring and accumulating. We somehow think that our, our worth is connected to our stuff and our bank accounts. But we know that's not true, Father. Our worth comes from you, the one who created us, the one who sustains us, the one who died for us, and the one who will bring us home to be with you forever someday. So, Father, I ask that you bless us to live with rich generosity, to give ourselves first to you and then to others. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. One part of giving yourself first to the Lord is accepting what Christ did on the cross for your salvation. Accepting his shed blood for your sins, for your forgiveness, and allowing his sacrifice to save you. If you're ready to take that step of faith and say, I believe in Jesus and I accept him as my Lord and Savior, then I'm going to invite you to come. We're going to stand in a moment. We're going to sing a song. And during that song, I'm going to invite you to come to let me welcome you, to let me pray with you, to let me lead you in a simple statement of faith that says, I, I believe in Jesus and I accept him as my Savior. We'll arrange for your baptism. And after you've given yourself first to the Lord, then the Lord will give himself fully to you. Let's stand together. We're going to sing hymn number 486, verses 1 and 2.
Stop.